You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. You know what time it is. It is time for the X-Men podcast. Thank you guys for listening. I am your host, Doc Coyle, and I really appreciate everything that's going on right now. Guys, I'm about as busy as I've ever been. I'm about as stressed out as I've ever been, but it's all in the name of rock and roll. Uh, things have gotten pretty crazy with my band, Bad Wolves. I'm sure you've heard if you listen to the show, if you follow me on social media, uh, our single, uh, the cover song of the band of the song "Zombie" by the band Cranberries, uh, hit number one on iTunes uh, last week and stayed there for actually several days. And and that's all iTunes. You know, it's like one one second we're at like fifty, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's the weekend and Justin Bieber, and then we go past them, and then it's like, hey, there's Drake, and then you go past that, and you're like. What the hell is happening in life? This is really bugged out because it's just rock music and metal music isn't really given a platform like that anymore. We're kind of, you know, disinvited from the from the ball. And so it's it's very overwhelming. You know, you get people reaching out to you, you ain't heard from in a while. You get, you know, people like look at you a little different in the streets, like, hey doc, what's going on? Where's your Lamborghini? I'm like, man, I ain't got, I ain't got nothing. I ain't, no, no one gave me nothing yet. I'm just, just, just hanging in there. Um, but no, it's it's pretty crazy. So last minute, uh, myself and Tommy, our singer, we're going. I'm joining him on a on a European press tour, and then we're going to be playing on television in Ireland uh, on the Late Late Show, which I guess is their Tonight Show or something like that, and. Uh, so yeah, it's it's pretty overwhelming. This is all new. I'm used to playing, you know, the uh the CBGBs and the <laughs> the uh you know, the, the the dive bars of the world. You know, I've played, you know, I've done arena shows, I've done big festivals, but you know, this is a whole different ball game. So I'm just kind of as Theo once said on the Cosby show, I'm taking it all in stride. But yeah, it's been pretty pretty crazy. I'm not going to I don't have a big uh, spiel to do at the beginning of this episode because we have quite a lot lot going on. Um, We have a show sponsor. And for just to let you guys know, for bands sponsoring the show, this has gotten really popular. Right now, I'm basically out of slots to sponsor. I think I might have one left. 
currently. So, uh, so keep in mind, more than likely, I will probably have to raise the price on sponsoring the show because it's becoming um, the demand to get played on the show is getting is going up. So just to, just to give you guys the heads up, I might it might be a little more difficult to get on the show because the show is getting more popular. Oh, also one more thing. Um, I actually appeared on the Josta show with Jamie Josta from Hate Breed. So check that out. He's a big inspiration to myself. I, I listened to his show just as a, uh, you know, someone who kind of pioneered it for musicians and musicians from our world to get out there. So it was really an honor to be on his show because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't really have any slouches on his show. And I've, you know, remember hearing him talk about guests he might have or he wouldn't have. And for him, it's really about activity. You know, like I'm sure he, he has no problem talking to me, but it's like, Maybe it's like, since I'm out there, I'm doing more stuff. And it's kind of like, all right, that means I'm kind of doing some stuff that uh, that at least uh, Jamie wanted to talk to me and, and make that time. So that was, uh, it was really amazing. And so, and it's cool because, you know, you guys see me here and half time, you know, or most of the time I'm interviewing someone else. So you can kind of get me on the other end on that show. So check that out. But anyway, so I'm going to talk about the band that is sponsoring this show. So this is a band called Head Crusher. And they are actually from Colombia in South America. But I guess in 2008, they moved to Austin, Texas. And these guys are pretty heavy. You're going you're gonna to hear uh, what they sound like. They've worked with producers like Two Madsen and Jesse Gander. And they have performed at such luminous festivals as Phil Ensemble's House Core Horror Metal Fest, Barge to Hell, Full Terror Assault, and South by Southwest, to name a few. So we're going to play a track from their album, which is entitled Death Comes With Silence. And this song is called Sizemal.
that was the track Sizemore by Head Crusher. Hope you guys liked that. That was a pretty intense track. I liked it. It was kind of like it's got that South American kind of vibe, you know, or what we think of, you know, when we think of the bands like Sepultura and stuff like that, but then had some like black metal stuff going on there. That was that was really cool. You know what? I'm I'd say I'm lucky because all the bands that have sponsored the show have been actually really good and that that actually makes me excited so yeah they, like i said they have an album out called death comes with silence they also make just made a video for this track so definitely go check that out and it is available on all major digital platforms itunes spotify youtube etc you can check out their merch store and also support the band at headcrusher.bandcamp.com and on social media at facebook which is headcrusher heavy music and instagram headcrusher music i also want to give a shout out to our show sponsor rockabilia and rockabilia.com they are your one-stop shop for all band merch they have 500,000 items everything you could possibly want they have there and also they have they don't just have stuff with music they have pop culture stuff they have movie merchandise pretty much anything you you would think and they are a great service. They're actually going to send me a pretty sick Metallica in Just For All hoodie, which I'm very excited about. And our guest today, Mark Rizzo, uh, Soulfly, has a bunch of stuff on Rockabilia.com you can check out. And even his other band with Max Cavalera, Cavalera Conspiracy, has, I think, two shirt designs on there. So definitely go check them out and use our code to get 15% off. And that is Jabberjaw. Oh, I'm sorry, PC Jabberjaw. <laughs> See, guys, the coffee is just sitting in. PC Jabberjaw, and you will get yourself a discount. We also, guess what? We have another show sponsor. So that's what I'm telling you guys. It's, you know, it's getting getting pretty packed in here. And this episode is also brought to you by Minus Head Records. And Minus Head is the home of bands like Terra Universal, Will Haven, All Hell the Yeti, and Insight. And we are going to play a song from Terra Universal. We actually had Dave Shivari, uh, the drummer for Terra Universal, and also Il Nino, which Mark Rizzo also played in, uh, on the show a couple episodes back when we played a song. But we're going to play another song from Terra Universal, and this one is called Spines. Check it out.
that was Spines from Terra Universal, and that's from their debut album, which just came out not that long ago called Make Them Bleed. You can learn more about them on terrouniversal.com, and also check out Minushead Records at minushead.com. So many good bands over there, and we're going to be, over the course of the next few months, going to be playing some music from Minushead Records, who is a brand new show sponsor. So big shout out to Brad and everyone over there. Really cool up and coming record label. This is really awesome. I love it. The show is growing. We have to expose you guys to sick, sick new bands. And uh, I'm just having a lot of fun with it. So real quick, I just want to talk about our guest this week, Mr. Mark Rizzo, a fellow New Jerseyite, New Jerseyan. I don't know exactly what we're supposed to be called, but I've known Mark for a really long time. He's from North Jersey. I'm kind of from Central Jersey. And he's just such, he's one of these guys, you know, I talk about it in, in the interviews you'll hear, but I feel like he's really like this virtuoso dude that doesn't really, I don't think that people really give him the credit that he really deserves. I think he should be on the cover of, of magazines. I think he should be, you know, just that guy. And, uh, and I know just how hard he works. I remember seeing him back in the day and he's like, he's working out and he's playing, you know, he's studying Spanish flamenco and he's just, he's just one of those guys where he's just out there and doing it. And, uh, you know, and he's also been in a few bands and he's, and he's definitely experienced things in a way I personally, uh, haven't. And so it's just, these are the, these are the type of people I want to bring on the show. Cause it's obviously they're from great bands, but I have a personal connection and I just try and get to the bottom of it. Like I said, I'm like a, I'm like a sleuth over here getting, getting all the stories. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. Check out my conversation with my main man, my homie, New Jerseyan, New Jerseyite, Mark Rizzo. So here's the thing. We should have had this thing on in the car because you and I were were basically breaking down everything. I was, I was hearing about the Cavalera records, the first one. I was hearing about the studio with Soulfly. But yeah. it's all right. We're, go- we're going to reimagine yeah. all Re- this stuff. Recap. Yeah. Well, no. So like, have you listened to this show before? Um, I've been meaning to. You know, big fan, obviously, of yours. Everything you've done. So uh, you You're know. busy. You're too busy practicing. Getting good, staying good at guitar. Trying to, you know, and always on the road, obviously. So it's been tough, but I've noticed you've been doing this. So I've been dying to, to listen to a couple episodes I've seen. Right on. Well, so a lot of what my show does is essentially I just go back into the whole the whole history, you know, because the, you know what the X-Man means, right? It means you used to be doing some shit that you ain't doing no more. <laughs> <laughs> so when I met you, you were playing with El Nino yeah. back in the back in the Dizzy in the uh, Dirty Jersey. Oh yeah. How did you uh how did you get into El Nino? Actually, what were you doing before El Nino? Um, I was playing in a lot of just like thrash, hardcore death metal bands around New York, New Jersey. Um, anything pop- prominent? Uh, we, I had this band called Crankcase. Um, we were, we were we were starting to make some noise around you know the Bergen County, Passaic County, Hudson County area. We played a lot of shows at like Pipeline, uh, Studio One, uh, you know all the old clubs back in the day in Jersey. You know. Stone Pony, we'd head down down south, you know. Um, but we were opening up for a lot of bands. Um, I think we opened up for like Propane back in the day, Napalm Death. You know, did, we were, did you ever ever have long hair? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where are the pictures, man? I'll see yeah, that on the Instagram. I think they're on, I, they might be on my Instagram. Cold Definitely man. on my Facebook. There's a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When did the hair come off? Uh, years ago, man. I think I should, poof, probably by like ninety six, ninety seven. I think I, you know, so I do mohawks and then just shaving my head, you know. So it was a long time ago. 
Um, but yeah, I was playing around Jersey a lot. You know, we used to play a lot of the hardcore shows, the death metal shows, you know. And uh, uh, I knew, you know, a couple of guys from El Nino then. And I wasn't really doing the Crankcase project that much anymore. Um, by like 97, I think we, we kind of took a break from it. So I got asked to to join El Nino, but it was back in the day when we had Jorge from Marauders. So, yeah. So we were more a harder... Yeah, you know, as 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 Beto from Madball says, like he's like, "Yo, these niggas are saying they playing ghetto metal." <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's a good term, man. Yeah. So was uh, that was that real? Did, did did you guys really call it ghetto metal? Uh, I remember E Town used to call themselves ghetto oh, metal. I used to okay. do shows with them back in like '96 with my band with Crankcase. Yeah. And I remember they they were saying calling it ghetto metal. Okay, back so you guys were not. That was not your claim to fame. No, I don't think so. No, we okay. we were we were definitely um, you know at that time Jorge was just coming out of Marauder. You know, I'm a huge Marauder fan. Me too. And um, I gotta get him on the show. Yeah, you gotta. He's he's a funny dude, man. Oh, he'll he'll oh, yeah. every now that he he called me actually not that long ago. Actually, now that I think about it, it was a while ago because yeah. uh, Marauder was looking for a manager. And at the time, I was kind of helping some bands out. Nice. Um, and yeah, me and him just just on the phone for like an hour yeah. and a half just. Yeah. Yeah, talking about stuff. Yeah, he's hysterical, man. He's a good dude. And uh, I actually, you know, I hope maybe in the future we could do something, you know, because I was in band, you know, with El Nino with him back in the day. And it, it was pretty cool. You know, that, that version of El Nino was uh, it was more of like a, a New York hardcore So who was, who was all playing it? It was... Um, and that me, was El Nino. El Nino back then, yeah. yeah. It was like 97, 98. And it was me on guitar. Uh, Dave Shivari was on drums still. Jorge singing. Christian was playing bass, not singing at the time. And uh, we were, you know, it was oh, so cool. there wasn't a second guitar player. Yet. No, no, it was just me. And uh, they had different guys. And then I quit. And then for a little bit. And then Scott Roberts started playing with with those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, Scott was in uh, Spud Monsters. He was in, um, you know, Biohazard for a long time. He's a great guitar player. And then I wound up coming back. And then that's when Jorge left. Continued doing Marauder. And then you know, Christian started singing instead of playing bass. So, so let me ask you this yeah. though. So you were coming from this thrash metal, death metal background. Yeah. Um, but the sound, even of El Nino, was very straightforward, very kind of meat and potatoes, very direct. Was that like something you guys talked about beforehand, or is it, or the, you kind of just knew the vibe of what was going on? I, I think you know, being that Jorge was coming from Marauder, we were all huge Marauder fans. Uh, our drummer at the time, Dave, you know, he was coming from Propane. We were, I was a huge Propane fan, so it was that was kind of the vibe. That's what we were going for. It was like you know a real groove, 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 metal. groove metal, metalcore, you know, hardcore vibe. But then we were starting to incorporate the Latin stuff. They already had Latin percussion uh, when I joined, and Jorge was doing some songs in, in uh, Spanish and English. But then when I joined, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm really been getting into flamenco lately, and I, I'd like to. Start incorporating, you know, some. Of, and that's something you would you would incorporate, like in the jam room, or is that mainly in like the studio studio? Uh, it was probably, you know, I was doing it on my own, you know, and then when we started demoing and making records, you know, um, I just started incorporating the acoustic stuff, you know, and they dug I it. And I don't I think people realize how different that was. It's pretty different. It was different, but you know what I was listening to a lot back then too was Candiria. I was a huge Candiria fan. They yeah. they like when I first heard of Candiria, they like changed my life because the way they were mixing jazz and metal and, and everything it was like holy shit man and um i remember going to see them back in the day in the city a lot at cbgb's we i think we even played with them i think we did a show with them a couple times but i specifically remember at the old love sexy in hoboken it was el nino and, and candiria and i remember just being like man these guys are insane so then yeah that's kind of where i got the idea of like yeah i, I want to start mixing the acoustic stuff with 
you know, with what we're doing, you know, and, and, uh, and it worked and we continue doing it. Yeah. I think that's one of the big benefits of like just living in that area and being around like irreverent music, even like a band like Dillinger Escape Plan who was doing weird things. And it's that whole hardcore scene. You just kind of realize like, Oh, there are, there are no rules. Yeah. You can kind of do whatever you want. Yeah. And as long as you can pull it off, Mm -hmm. you know, as a, as a musician and make it seamless and that it's not Mm -hmm. so left field that, you know, it's actually something you know, that kind of changed the game, I think, for, Absolutely. for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Candiria were, were the band that was doing that. I mean, when I first heard them, I was like, whoa, man. Like, God damn. And I think I first heard them on, on SOU. You know, it was uh, late late at night. They, they must have played it. Yeah, you know, and it was like, holy shit, man. And then I remember going to see them at CBGB's, like, in, like, 95, I think it was. And, man, what a brutal show it was. It was crazy. They brought the thunder, man. The oh. first first hardcore show I ever went to was Candiria. So, oh really? Wow. Game, but at the time I didn't really realize they were that kind of band. I thought they were like a death metal band. Really? Huh? Yeah, because it was uh, what was it, Surrealistic Madness? Yeah, like a lot of that, the stuff they yep. would, they would play it on. I think it was called Monday Night Mayhem. Mayhem, yeah, I remember that Monday Night Mayhem. Yeah. <laughs> so they would play them on the death metal show, and then I saw them and I was like, they're, they're not death metal. Yeah. They're like I don't know what they are, yeah. but it was it was just groovy and it mm-hmm. had that. I don't know. It was just something. Just it was just a vibe in 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 the air with the with the scene back then. Yeah. Um. So Jorge leaves the band. Yep. And when, how soon do, does it did decided for Christian to be the singer? Um. So basically, and what happened was, uh, um, around that time, it was like around the time Jorge went back to Marauder. Um. I think you know the other guys they wanted to kind of go more in that new metal direction. I mean, at that time, I didn't even know what the, like what the hell is new metal. What the, you know what does that mean? You know what I mean? Like I thought we were a hardcore band just mixing different vibes. You know, I mean, I didn't know. You know, I wasn't in a you know a lot of the new metal bands at that time. You know, I won't say which ones, but I just was you know I was never into. I was more into what was going on in New York and New Jersey at that time, the hardcore scene and yeah. the metal scene and stuff. You know, um, so so then Shivari wound up um, he wound up getting the audition uh, for for Soulfly, and ironically enough, I remember I drove him up to the the audition which was at the chance in poughkeepsie um so i drove him up there you know met everybody which was pretty weird i mean this was like in 98 you know i was like oh cool you know i mean i was always a big sepultura fan soulfly fan so to meet max and everybody you know was was pretty trippy um and then he got the gig and he went out on tour with soulfly i think for like a month and then at that time christian and me were writing music i remember you know waiting for him to get back and, uh, and then he got back and, and I think the Soulfly gig really changed, you know, his outlook on what he wanted to do and, you know, I guess go more in that kind of direction, like with Soulfly, but also with, you know, maybe get a little bit more melodic. And I remember we were, we were looking at different singers and I think we were even, we were even thinking about asking um, Eddie from Leeway, which would have been pretty, pretty <laughs> sick, you know, I was pretty stoked about that. Uh, but for whatever reason, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know, it never panned out, Um which was funny because Eddie then was singing for Marauder around that time, you know, when Jorge was singing for us and then Jorge went back and I guess it didn't work with Eddie and Marauder. But I got to, to see some of those shows with Eddie singing for Marauder and that was freaking crazy. It was awesome time. Um, and then uh, basically, you know, we went into the studio and then uh, I was always a fan of, of Christian's old band. He had this, this this pretty cool band back in the day. He used to open up for my band, Crankcase around New Jersey and uh, he's singing that band. So I was like, dude, why don't you start singing, you know? And uh, and that was it, you know? And then it was literally once we recorded a demo, um, 
like six months later, we got a record deal with Roadrunner. So that was the the demo. That was the EP that they were playing on that blew up on SOU. Um, it might have been the one after that because we had they were playing a lot of the stuff that we did with Jorge. You know, with his yeah. No, I'm talking about yeah. I'm talking about the, the second one. Yeah, where the second Christian one. was when he started singing, yeah. and that that was dude. It was crazy because it was like they were you know SOU always really supported us, and the shows were cool. You know, obviously I I loved working with Jorge, and he he did a great job in the band. And then, I don't know, you know, it was like overnight once we put out that new demo and we kind of got a little more melodic or something, you know, um, it's just like, you know, we got a record deal like six months yeah. later. I couldn't believe it. I was Yeah, like, but it was, I'm telling you, for yeah. from my perspective, I kind of dug the stuff because I love uh, Jorge and all that stuff. But when I heard that, that was completely left field. It was yeah. like, whoa, mm -hmm. yo, there's something going on. There was just the, the sound mm -hmm. of the band seemed fresh. Christian's voice, like... He actually had like a unique sound. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, that guy sounds like him. You yep. can tell in five seconds who it, who it was, and then obviously the Latin stuff kind of got ramped up. But mm -hmm. everything seemed like, oh, this is the perfect thing, and just yeah. they had good songs. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. Ultimately, the yeah. songs are what happens. And then yeah. I remember seeing you guys at Birchill. Oh yeah, before yeah. you were signed. Okay, yeah. Um, you played there all the time, man. And the weekend. well, I think you guys you did well. I because I had Dave on the show. He kind of talked about literally. Like, I remember you guys. We're out at the front, uh, near like where you enter okay. for another show, and you were like hustling tickets to your headline show. Oh, really? Yeah. So you were just like grind, yo, yo, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, we still do that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. yo, you were out there, and then I went to the show, and it was like, you know, four or five hundred people or something mm -hmm. for like a local band. That was really good. Yeah, we used to, you know, we were packing places back then, and the whole Jersey scene, you know, that whole. Uh, I guess it was the new metal scene again. I, I didn't know what the hell new metal was at you know at that time. You didn't, like, but you didn't kind of even realize that musically, like that band was kind of in that vibe. I you know I think the other guys wanted to go in that direction, and I still you know I, I was really listening to at that time. Like I always, I don't know, I always thought we were kind of more like a quicksand or you like know post hardcore. Yeah, or yeah, exactly. Or, That's you know, interesting. Or like <laughs> Tool. I, I mean, I know definitely when we were writing music together, like even at, back in those days, you know, with Christian and and me. We always we both were big fans of like Tool and, and then huge fans of like Quicksand, Snapcase, you know. Like I always thought we yeah. were like yeah, like you said, post, like a more of a post hardcore band. And then somehow it just like evolved. Like, but who, but who was doing most of the writing? Was it collective? It was it was you know between Christian, me, and 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 Dave. You know, yeah. he, he he had a lot with the arrangements and and other you know. I guess I think I think he had a lot to do with it turning more into a new metal thing. Because yeah. I remember we went in to make that first record. And again, I th I thought we were like a post hardcore band, and then after like six months later, it took a long time to make that first record. It was like we turned into a new metal band overnight. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, was that was that also working with the producer and them getting involved and? Yeah, maybe some of that some of that too. You know, I think Lincoln Park blew up around that time, and everybody was like, "We got to be like this." You know what I mean? Well, to me though, I mean, I think clearly like what comes around is like. The one song that's in that vein, yeah, absolutely. But as a record, I don't really hear much Lincoln Park. I just hear that. That's true. Just, just that that song. Yeah, what, yeah. what comes around? Well, hey, a song was a hit. Hey, it was. Yeah, it blew up. It went to. It went. To, I remember it went to number one on K Rock. And dude, you know, I, I, I remember. Yeah. I remember hearing that yeah. shit. I was. I was like. I was like, yo. Well, because I remember actually right around that time that it was getting played on K Rock was when I saw you guys on Ozfest. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And. That one day, I guess because of the rotating slot, but whatever, at PNC, you guys ended up right before, I think, Hatebreed or yeah. whoever was on the that's right. the, the headlining bands that, on the second right. stage. That's right, yeah. And I remember you guys threw it yeah. down. Like, yeah. that, that was still to this day probably one of the sickest sets I ever saw you guys play. 
Yeah, we were out for blood back in those days, man. I know I definitely was. You know, when I took that stage, I was ready to just jump around. I mean, the music was so simple to play, so it it, it turned into like, all right, man, you know, since it's, it's the guitar playing so easy, I don't even really got to concentrate on it, man. I'm just going to try to throw as many spin kicks and just right, jump so the, around like so a maniac. So the, so the spin know? kicks, all right. <laughs> Did Were you influenced through the spin kicks by Fury of Five? Um, I think definitely probably I was. It's funny because... I remember there was there was there was other people doing it before me, and definitely Fury of Five was one of them. And I we used to play with them. My old band Crankcase we used to open up for Fury of Five. They were awesome, you know. I used to love that band. So yeah, definitely I, I would say Fury of Five. I remember the guitar player. He used to throw kicks a lot, um, you know. That like, was the only other other band there, I saw there, do the spin kicks. There was other. I mean, I I think I remember there was like singers throwing spin kicks on stage. So I I definitely wasn't the first one. I'll never take claim for that. But it was definitely a lot of different bands. I remember. Yeah, the Fury Five dude, he used to do it. Uh, you know, Mike from Sworn Enemy, right? He used to do it back later, in the day. but his was different. Yeah, he did more of like a scissor. Yeah, type it was, kick, it was right? like, but I don't think he would jump. I yeah. think it was more like he would jump a little bit. It was more like yeah. a, a chop. Yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. a leg chop. That's almost. true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> there was a lot of other people doing it before, you know, and and I definitely was influenced by that. Even with the book bag on stage, you know, I mean, I'd go see shows. There was a lot of hardcore bands. You know, a lot of people I grew up going to see at shows you know we're rocking book bags on stage Hold on. What, you know everyone wants to know and i'm sure you got to ask this many times yeah. what was in the book bag just rubbers man jimmy's rubbers <laughs> <laughs> well at least you were protected right yeah very you, were being, you were being responsible very responsible very responsible <laughs> <laughs> so you've been playing music however long in your life and now finally you're in the one percent of the one percent of the one percent of bands that's actually selling records you're doing massive tours you're by any estimation fulfilling your dream what what, yeah. were, what what was going through your head at that time um it's crazy i'm lucky you know again you know i i remember you know I, back to el nino you know it's like our first tour ever was before our record even came out was was opening up for soulfly that was my first u.s tour it was uh march 2000, 2001 and so uh you know that was crazy, you know, and then and then you know obviously I quit El Nino and uh, was your first? Were you guys in a bus or you in an RV? We were in an RV. We had this this bright idea that we were going to finance an RV and you know we were going to save so much money and like every band that thinks that they're going to save money with an RV, you know the RV breaks down, you know, yeah, three days into the tour and you know now you're spending more money getting the thing fixed and you got to rent another RV, so it was a nightmare. But you know we we were in RV, we did the van thing. Um, and then by the time we, we got on Ozfest, I think we had a bus by then, yeah. which was amazing. I mean, that was like, holy shit, you know? Crazy. Well, it was, it was, well, I remember at that time, because it was like E-Town was the biggest oh, yeah. Jersey band. Yep. And then to see like another Jersey band kind of yeah. move past everybody who was like kind of under the radar, right? Because yeah. all the other bands were like, we were all kind of slugging it out and doing little shows. And you guys kind of was like, boom, you're already have a name and then boom you're on this tour you're on that tour in yeah. the height of everything yeah it was crazy it was fast it was, it was crazy how fast it happened and i remember being like you know i tried for years you know in, in like my old band crankcase and playing in other death metal bands tried so hard you know to get a deal you know we took time with our music and then it was like you know with el nino it wasn't really like that it was just like over and like boom we got a deal overnight and i was like are you serious like I, I didn't even quit my job like i remember everyone else in the band quit their job when we got our first uh advance from the record company to to record 
And I said, nah, man, I'm not, I'm not quitting. You guys, you know, I'll, I'll meet you at the studio at like 12, 1 o'clock. I'm going to work at 6 in the morning every day and just working part-time. Because I, I didn't think it was it was true. I was like, Shit, they're going to pull the, pull it out from under us any minute, man. I'm going back to work anyway, you know. Well, that's probably some good instincts there to be a little bit more level-headed, yeah. you know, and also kind of keep your your nose to the to the ground and not get too much into that the rock star bullshit, you yeah. know, of like, yeah. I'm... I'm too good to work a normal job or some yeah. shit like that. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, I wanted to keep working. I like. I had I had a cool job. It was a construction job. I was like a delivery guy. And I said, you know, it was a workout. I used to carry like thirty uh, sheets of sheetrock up, like you know, fifteen flights of steps every day, and it was it was actually fun. I liked it. You know, it was a workout. <laughs> getting paid to work out. You know, so <laughs> that's great. So through all this, at some point. You leave the band. Yeah. Right? So yep. so this is like, I guess, around the time the, the next record was about to come out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right right when we were recording uh, the second record, um, I left. I, I mean, I, I never really, you know, with, with the whole new metal thing, I was never really into it, obviously. And I, I really wasn't getting along with everyone from the beginning, you know. And it, I had quit even before, you know, like two years prior. I'd quit and then they asked me back. I came back. So anyway, I left and... Um, and then I left to start up, uh, I had that side project called Cortez with me and um, my buddy Roger, who did percussion with El Nino, and he did all the percussion on my first instrumental record. So we started that project, and we were starting to make some, some you know, some noise with it. You know, Jamie Jostin was, was managing us, and we were working on getting a deal. And then literally uh, the day after I quit El Nino, it was like 24 hours later, I got a phone call from Roadrunner. Mike Gitter called me saying, hey, you know, it sucks that you quit El Nino. Um, but would you be interested in, in joining Soulfly? Because uh, that quick, that quick, like it was like in 24 hours, dude. And I was like, you know, you know, Mikey, they said, Mikey had just quit Mikey Dolan, you know? And I was like, hell yeah, dude, I'm down. He's like, all right, well, you know, Gloria Max's wife is going to call you. I didn't hear from her for like two months, you know, didn't get the phone call. I figured like, ah, you know, I guess they got somebody else. I was working electrical with a friend of mine and just doing that Cortez project and my own, in my instrumental stuff. And just, you know, doing the Jersey thing, you know? So, I, I just have to imagine, you've been working all this time, you finally get a break, you have bands selling hundreds of thousands of records. Yeah. And it takes a lot of balls to just be like, peace out. Yeah. Like, like what was going through your mind? Where it was just, you were, you were just like, was, was in your mind like, all right, I'm just going to go back work construction and just yeah. be a regular dude again? You just didn't, you didn't care. I didn't care. I didn't care. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, it, there was definitely some personality clashes, you know, back in the day. And I just was like, you know what, man? I, I, I got a great life at home, you know, yeah. with my family. And Well, think about I'll, I'll tell you this, and, you know, it's, I can't really name names, but I know people in bands that are making good money and they don't like people in their band. But yeah. they just kind of like, you know what? Yeah. I don't want to give give up the paycheck. I don't mm -hmm. want to give up the life or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you were willing to kind of... Yeah, sacrifice i figured you know what man i i i uh, i sucked it up for for two years and i was like you know i had enough man it, i want to just do yeah. my own thing and do some different things and uh it to me it was it wasn't a big deal i think everyone else made a big deal out of it you know i think fans were were pissed you know i know the roadrunner was a couple of the guys were pissed at me there and it was like you know dude it is what it is you well know? you were those are big shoes to fill especially as a performer mm -hmm. you know just the energy you know um I think in general, like that original lineup, especially, was just like a yeah. grenade on stage. Like yeah. it was, it was pretty fucking fierce. And I, I think yeah. that's a big reason why you guys 
ultimately did so well, mm-hmm. you know, right out the gate was because of the energy of the band and how much you focus on it. So yeah, it's, a, it's like when Dallas left our band, mm-hmm. that energy you can't, yeah. you can never really replace it. You yeah, know? yeah, true. Yeah. You know, so that yeah it was it was a big deal. Yeah. So you, so two months go by and then it eventually happens. It goes through. Yeah, eventually, you know, I came home from work and uh, I got the phone call. I picked up my phone and. It was it was Max's wife, Glorious, and you know introducing herself, and I was like, oh, I've been, you know, yeah, I heard, you know, Roadrunner, uh, Mike Gitter or Roadrunner told me you'd call me, and uh, so we started talking. She's, it, this was like on a Friday. I remember I got out of work, and I was like, man, I was so sick of this job. I was like, I don't even want to do this no more. And then my phone rings. It's her, and she's like, can you fly out Monday morning to to do a couple, you know, do some rehearsals, uh, play a couple shows out here on the West Coast. And then start recording uh, the prophecy record right after that. I was like, "Yeah, sign me up, dude!" You know, I was like, "That's awesome," you know. So uh, I flew out, and, and that's it. I've been in the band since two thousand and three. It's crazy. Listen, so that's <laughs> that's pretty crazy. Yeah, that quick. And I've 15, been on, think about it, fifteen years, and it's been a roller coaster. I yeah, mean, with Soulfly, we tour so much all the time. How was it? How long was Max in Sepultura? I think uh, for like ten years. So I've I'm, I've been in Soulfly longer, longer than he was in Sepultura. Yeah, yeah, that's that's insane. It's crazy, and it it seems like yesterday, man. I mean, that's the craziest thing. When I joined um, Soulfly, I was like twenty five. I think yeah, I was like twenty four, twenty five. Now now I'm forty years old, man. It's well, like, well, it's just well, I, don't I don't know how it happened. You've been a band member with 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 Max as long as anyone. I guess maybe yeah. his brother because he back with. Um, mm-hmm. Cavalera conspiracy, but that's that's absolutely insane. So, you had one experience with El Nino. What was this experience? How was it? How did this experience differ? It was night and day. It was like, I mean, I was like, holy shit! And I hit the lottery, dude. You know, it was like I was getting paid. You know, they they, you know, they treated me very good. You know, from the beginning, uh, I never really made money on the road with El Nino. I mean, in the beginning, the first year on tour with El Nino, I think I was making like 20 bucks a day, you know? I mean, it's yeah, like most people. Because it was all, you were, your guarantees yeah. are low, you're yeah. still building them. Starving, dude. I was, eating, I was eating nothing but like a bag of peanuts and I used to buy those bomb burritos. Remember those? They were like mm-hmm. a buck, you know? And uh, I, was, I was super skinny. I was like, you know, just eating whatever. And um, so when I joined Soulfly, it was like, you know, they're flying me out. They put me up in hotels and it was like, whoa, you know, this is, this is cool, man, <laughs> you know? So it was like, I was very lucky. And I still am. I mean, what about working with uh, Max? Was it like intimidating? Um, I, not, you know, not really, because it was like I, like I always say, like I knew his whole back catalog. So it was yeah. like when I joined the band, the fir- my whole thing was like, all right, man, I, you know, I don't want to like, you know, be pushy, but I really wanted to see the band go. You know, I wanted to see Max get back to the old thrash. Sepultura sound of like Benita Remains. So you're Rise. the one that kind of pushed that on the on those records like, as it kept going. I mean, you know, I, I I think you know he he also I think once we started jamming and I would start playing songs like Benita Remains and play the solos note for note because I grew up playing that stuff in my old death metal bands and stuff, my thrash metal band Crankcase. You know, I think once he saw that I could play those those old Andreas solos like note for note and I, I respected that music. It was just like the floodgates just opened. It was like, yo, let's get thrashy, you yeah. know? And our drummer at the time was Joe Nunez, who was uh, just a, an animal behind the drums. He was awesome. He's an incredible drummer, you know? And he was another one that was into a lot of old school thrash. So it was like when we went into the studio, it was just like, dude, we just like got really thrashy, like really fast. And yeah. that was even before it was like, that was like in 04. Yeah, that's, where, that's around the time when we toured together. Yeah, that's right. We toured together in 05. 2005, I think. It was yeah. like the, uh, I think it was like January, February. It was like early mm-hmm. in the year. Yeah. Um, no, no, I, I just, 
it's it's just so so fascinating just just thinking about that time mm -hmm. and I rem the main thing I remember was I didn't realize you were that good at guitar because in in El Nino obviously outside of maybe some of the flamenco stuff it's it's very straightforward yeah. and then I'm seeing you were going on tour and you've got your like classical books out and it's, and this guys there ain't no tabs here this is these are just <laughs> musical notes and he's you know you're you're, you're practicing all day and then. You hear the new Soulfly songs and you're ripping solos, which the earlier Soulfly songs didn't didn't mm -hmm. have that stuff. Yeah. Um, how did how when and how the hell did you get so good at guitar? Wow. Well, thank you. Um, well, again, I mean, I grew up playing that stuff, so it was like you know, I was my old band Crankcase, you know, and these other bands I was in growing up. That's you know we played that stuff, so I was always into shred. I was but did always, that ever come up? And you were like, "Hey guys, I, I'm gonna rip no, a solo." No, they, those guys would never let me do any like any time. Any time it was like when we'd be writing. Like I remember even even when I would do those acoustic things, I had to really push for the acoustic stuff because they'd be like, "Ah, oh, that's that's metal." It's like, nah, man, it's 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 flam it's flamenco. It's yeah. as far away from metal as you're gonna get. You know, it's acoustic stuff. So clearly, you, know? you did some training, or is that you, are you self taught? Uh, I studied a lot with a, a lot of a lot of. Uh, Friends of mine went to Berkeley, you know. Mm -hmm. So I, I studied uh, with a good friend of mine, specifically named Dennis Kimack. He's, he's oh, pretty, I know Dennis. You know, yeah. Dennis. Everyone knows Dennis Kimack around Jersey. He's 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 famous in Jersey, you know, and everywhere else. But uh, he was a great teacher. You know, he went to Berkeley, and um, you know, I studied with him a lot. He taught me a lot of stuff. But then I, I took a lot of lessons with a lot of other people, uh, flamenco, you know, and and it taught myself a lot too, you know. So so okay, I'm 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 assuming you went to like. You, you know, you ever see um, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, mm -hmm. where they go in the time machine at the end, yeah. and then they suck, and they go in the time machine, and they come back, and they're real. I think you did something like that. Yeah. Like, I went to the woods, you know, I, with Eddie Van Halen. Well, <laughs> you know what? I mean, I really, my whole time in El Nino, you know, I, I really, really was focused on learning flamenco. So I would just, like, sit on the bus and just practice. I didn't party at all. I didn't, you know. I didn't do anything crazy. I just would just get up and, and play guitar all day long, and, and I wanted to get better, you know. And then I even like I noticed it was like you know I was like man, this is a huge opportunity that we're on the road. We got a record deal. We got a you know a label putting money into us. I was like man, I'm I'm gonna really, you know, work hard and, and take this record deal and this opportunity super seriously because, you know, I want to do this for a living. You know, I yeah. went from doing construction to, you know. Now being in a touring band, I was like, dude, I I, I want to take it to the next level and 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 be in this business forever. Well, they, well, they say there's like, uh, actually, I think this might be a Dave Grohl quote. He's like, I'm not a rock star, I'm a musician, hmm. and that's that's what I kind of gather from you is like, I'm yeah. a musician. This yeah. is a job. This is a profession. Exactly. This is a craft, yep. and that's why I'm. I'm getting paid is to do that. So yeah. you, you put your time into it. Absolutely. No, I, listen, I, I have so much respect for that. Anytime I see someone like that, because me, I was, I'd like, I spent a little time playing guitar and then I go out and party. So. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> things have changed over the years for me too. You know, but, 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 you know, I'm still, I get up and I, I still practice. Well, you, listen, you, you, you put your time in, um, you have a skill set and, any any fun you're having now, you've definitely earned it. I would I would say. You too, man. You shred oh. too. Oh, well, I was a I'm, big God forbid fan. I'm working, baby. It's always a struggle. Uh, <laughs> but um, Me too. so a few years go by, and then this uh, Cavalera conspiracy yeah. record comes. How does that whole whole thing even even come about? That was crazy because, um, you know, I had already been in Soulfly now um, for like five years, you know, and. Um, Word, I, I, you know, word got around within the band that uh, 
Max and Igor were talking again, you know, and that that you know that they there was a possibility that they were going to reunite. So uh, I think it was in two thousand and six. Igor came out to one of the Soulfly gigs, and uh, uh, I get you know, and jumped up on stage as a surprise, and we jammed uh, Roots, we jammed Attitude, you know, a couple of Sepultura songs, and the crowd just went crazy. It was in Phoenix, I remember, and then that's when the whole thing just you know got started, where they were like, let's let's start a whole new band, you know, and uh, and then I was asked to play guitar in it, you know, and and and, and be a, a part of the band, you know. Um, Did it ever come up to like? Let's just have Igor join Soulfly. Did that ever come up? I don't think so. They wanted to keep it separate. I think they wanted to keep it separate and and have it be you know where it's the brothers back together again. I mean, they probably wanted to call it Sepultor, uh, but maybe they couldn't get the name. I, I don't know exactly what what happened with that. I'm so sure there's a lot of legal probably you know <laughs> groundwork but, for but, that. But I think they also wanted to start something completely brand new and different. You know, and um, so 2007 we went into the studio and made an incredible record, man. And I was very you know, I took that record like, yo, this is this is a big deal. To How did uh, Joe from Gojira get involved? Uh, I think Roadrunner, uh, Mon- Monty Connor, I think had uh, over at Roadrunner, he had, you know, suggested for Joe to be in in the project too, which was, you know, I was like, hell yeah, dude, I'm a huge Go- Gojira fan, you know. Um, so so we all, all four of us went into the studio and, and and we came up with that that first Cavalier Conspiracy record, which I think is a classic, man. That no, it is. I I would say it's probably. My favorite output from like a Cavalera yeah. project since Gasphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In my my opinion. Yeah. Me too. Me too. That yeah. record was like, you know, I, I was like I was really super, super stoked that I was asked to be part of it and I took it very seriously. I remember practicing my ass off during that time and, and being like, yo, I really need to step my game up for this record because I know I'm gonna be, you know, really, really um analyzed, you know. Was there like a you know, discussions about what vibe would be, or you guys just got in a room and just kind of just things just happened. Yeah, just basically it was real natural. We just got in a room and and, and just started jamming and just throwing it's, ideas around. You know what? You explain to me. Explain to people mm-hmm. what it's like making a, a record with Max. Oh. See that? It's not like a sneeze. Come <laughs> there, and we we put germs <laughs> on the recording, and then, boom, and then riffs come out. <laughs> um, you know, it's like Max show, comes in with with. The, the primary idea, the, the, the riff, you know, and then... Is it like one riff or would it be a couple riffs? A couple riffs, you know, an arrangement. And does he show it to you or is he like recorded on a four-track? Yeah, usually he does a four-track recording. A lot of times he sends me a CD of it, you know, and, or email. Does it have drums or is it just... A uh, drum machine, you okay. know, and, and then I'll, I'll, I'll start thinking of some ideas that I can, you know, put on top of it, maybe make it a little bit more melodic, a little more technical, you know, a couple more riffs. And then leads, you know, I just, I do what I want, but... Um, do you bring, like, so if it's Soulfly or Cavalier, like, w- will you bring in a song, or is it pretty much Max comes it's up? It's pretty much Max comes up with the, with the arrangement, the idea, uh-huh. you know, and then I, I'll, we build on it, you know, and he, he gives me total freedom to just do what I want. I mean, he's never been, like, he's never really ever told me, like, I don't like that, or, or you know, usually every time I come up with something, he's like, yeah, man, that's killer, it's yeah, killer. He's you just know? really open-minded yeah. and, and kind of free flows with it. Yeah, he really gives me, you know, total freedom to, to, to just do what I want. I mean, sometimes I definitely go overboard with the shredding, and he's like, come on, man, I got to sing on that, you know? And it's like, all right, you got me, you know? Um, but, but um, you know, for the most part, we got a great working relationship in the studio, you know? The, the whole writing process is a lot of fun. 
And I think a lot of that goes back to the fact that I grew up playing all those old Sepultura songs in my old bands when I was a kid. It's in your DNA. I just, you know, I, I grew up on it. I, and I understood the relationship musically between Andreas and, and Max, you know, the way they, they were like the perfect thrash metal team, like Scott Ian and Danny Spitz, you know, or Kirk Hammett and James Hetfield, where Max held down the rhythm, the root note, and then Andreas would step off and, and throw some, you know, not even just leads, like, you know, themes and melodies and, and have, you know, other riffs on top of it. So it was like coming into it, it was like that's what I was going for, was that same kind of, you know, vibe. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the the work ethic of not only like that operation, but you, you come off, you know, you barely get any time off from whether it's Soulfly or Cavalera. And then mm -hmm. it's like Mark, Mark Rizzo's solo record. Mm -hmm. So what's your whole, um, A, like what's your goal with that? Is it just, I need to get the shit out of me, of my, your system or you just like to work? I just like to work, definitely. But I definitely need to get it out of my system too because there's definitely some stuff that is that I write that is, you know, might be a little bit too too technical, you know, yeah. for, for all the other bands that I'm in. So I love that stuff. You know, I, I'm still, I've always been a big fan of Inve Malmsteen and Joe Satriani, you know, and even Jimi Hendrix and, uh, you know, Santana and stuff like that, you know, guitar type playing type music. Um, so I, I, I need it, man. That's, 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 you know, that, that was another big highlight in my life was signing the Shrapnel Records back yeah. in 2005. And, and getting the opportunity to work with uh with Mike Varney, you know, to 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 do my own instrumental records. So it's it's that's real important to me too. Well, I'll be in my opinion, in the grand scheme, I still feel like you're like unheralded. As, like I feel like your profile as a just a, a lead guitar player, as a, a technician, as a virtu virtuosic type player should be even bigger, you know. So, you know. I don't know who's out there, who's listening to this, but we need Mark, we need Mark in more ads. We need him on DVDs. We need him on billboards. All right, I want this dude to be the G five with that shit. Yeah. I want Mark on the next one of those things. Well, thank you, thank you. No, no problem. No, seriously, I, I really feel like, and maybe it's because of your image, because you're not, you don't look like Ingve. You don't have like gold rings, or you're not fucking, you know. I don't know. Listen, when I track my solos in the studio, I wear a white ruffly shirt. It just puts me in the zone. <laughs> You know, no, but you're, you yeah. know, you're, you're like a very modest person. I, I, you know? I look like your typical douchebag from New Jersey. I know. <laughs> and I can't get away from it. You know, you know, well, and I say I'm a little short, see, bold no, Italian guy. Yo, but I used to watch motherfucking <laughs> Il Nio back in the day. He had that shirt popped off. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. But I say start making that shirt optional or do like the wet t-shirt contest. Just come out with Me? like a white shirt and then just come out all wetted up and Me? have no, your, I don't, your guns I don't, showing through. I don't look as good as I used to. I'm 40 now, man. I'm starting to And I can't, you know, I used to diet like a nut back then. I, I love my pizza, man, you know? <laughs> this man is, is, is trying to enjoy himself. No, but, but seriously, I, I, you know, I feel like not enough in, in the guitar community or whatever, like, I feel like more people should, should, should know about you. So, you know, whatever we have to do. You know, if Doc Coyle's got to go out there and do some work. You know what I'm saying? I'm, Thank I'm, you. I'm going to make it happen. Thank you. I appreciate um, it. No, but how do you kind of handle that, um, those, that breakneck schedule with those other bands where it seems like they don't stop, right? It seems like yeah. well, it's either that and then it'll be 
They're doing the Roots tour, and then they're doing that. What Nail Bomb is coming? Yeah, up? we did that. We did that back in October, but we're doing it again in a couple of weeks. You know, what's the whole mentality behind that from from their perspective? Um, it's just you know we had such a, a success with with the uh, Return to Roots project, which was basically Cavalier Conspiracy, but we went out and played the Sepultura record Roots in its entirety. It was a huge success, sold out shows all over the world. Uh, it did great, and so the next you know. Uh, logical thing was well let's do another you know another one of max's side projects so we went out and did the nail bomb record in its entirety and and that was how did that go that was great too a lot of fans you know that that was more i think maybe kind of an underground record but but i think people were really stoked to see that record played live because i think max only played that record twice i think back in the day with with the original members in like 95 they only did like two shows and that was it you know so so it's a it's a cool opportunity for for people to see that record live, yeah. Well, it, well, just it just seems like, you know, the road itself is so. Like you know, you you remember those bands that were like they be like making some noise, they have a little demo out, and they go on that first tour and they break up, like they just yeah. can't take it. Yeah, yeah. You know, but you, you know, Max. Yeah. You're out there all the time for all years time. and years and years. Like how does how do, I mean. Do you still like it? Do you still is it? Are you over it? Is it? Um, you know, it, it's hard. I think the hardest part of it is is I'm away from my family all the time. That sucks. Um, it's hard to have a keep a serious relationship going, which can be really cool too, but also can really suck sometimes. Yeah. You know, if you if you are really into you know, the chick, you, sometimes you drunk text and it just gets weird. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. You know, it happens. But. Um, but honestly, I mean, we, we I, I can't complain. I mean, we're, we're, we're in a bus. You know, a lot of bands are in vans. We get hotels when we do. You know, we, we fly when we have to fly. And um, it's fun. Yeah, you're, I mean, it's you're, not work, man. You guys are all over the world, too. <laughs> we're all over the world. Do you, yeah, do you like that, going to Russia, um, going to South America? Is I it... love going to South America for obvious reasons. It's yeah. just an incredible place down there. Colombia, Brazil. Oh my God, I love that those places. But um, AKA Booty Island. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. It's it's just paradise. But uh, so anyway, but it's just um, I you know I hate flying honestly. Yeah, I really do. You know, and um, there were literally zero deaths in a, it, like flying last year. I'll come wood. What are you talking about? I'm just saying. Yeah. People are like, I hate flying. You know, here's the thing. Motherfuckers be like, I hate flying. And like, where are you going? Six flags. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> you go on a roller coaster, you are paying money mm-hmm. to get the worst part of flying. Exactly. Yeah. People are dumb. Yeah. I'm not saying you're dumb. Yeah. But you are. Pe- I'm a people yeah. too. Yeah. But I have a problem with this. All right. Yeah. This is basically, can I enjoy uh, some turbulence and <laughs> lack of stability in right. where, where I am? I'm fine with flying. I'm good with it. I'm it's just tight. It's, it's just tight. tight. Yeah. It's just it's the whole uncomfortable thing. The waiting in lines. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the security. Security. You know. But that's that's uh you know that's that's the worst part I think of the whole thing is just the, that is the flying the lines you know. But other than that, it's it's it's. But, dude, you know, I grew up working construction and, and and you know blue collar jobs. So it's like this this is this is a paid vacation, man. I'm having yeah. fun, dude. It's like anyone that really really complains about touring, it's like then it's probably not for you. Well, you know what they call that perspective. Yeah, perspective. Because a lot of people yeah. lose yeah. lose their perspective, yeah. and, and humans are very adaptable. Mm-hmm. So we can kind of get used to anything, right? Yeah. You put us in jail. Eventually, we just get used to being in jail. Yeah. 
You put you in you're in a in a palace with mm-hmm. servants. You just get used to that. You're like true. this goddamn caviar is too cold. <laughs> you throw it against the wall. You know. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's true. It's oh, true. You have to, or maybe you don't have to, but I will ask you to confirm or disconfirm a story. Is it true that one of Max's children was kidnapped or attempted kidnapped at, at an airport in Russia? Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, yeah, it was. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that. Uh, I don't. I don't want to use the word kidnap, but basically, it was just some dude, some drunk dude, who, at the time, we didn't know who you know who he was, and uh, we were at Moscow. It was one of the first time. It was the first time I had ever been to Russia, so you know we don't know what to expect out there. You know, and we're at the airport, and um, Max's stepdaughter was there with us. You know, and and I think you know we all went through security, and we were getting ready to go to our gate, and some dude like came up to her and like grabbed her arm, you know, and said like, "Come with me." I think it was just like some drunk guy, you know. And then uh, I saw my tour manager like in his face, and you know I did I did the Jersey thing, which was the you knuckle know, up, choke him out. Well, side flank him and get ready to sucker punch him, you know. And uh, <laughs> and I was and you know what I really was it was all about to go down, and then all of a sudden like he had these big security guards rolling in with guns, you know. And I was like, whoa, good thing I didn't do it, you know. I'll save that move for back home. You know? So you don't want to be in a Russian yeah. prison. And it, thank God it didn't go down that way. And um, see, I was picturing that scene in Big Trouble in Little China, yeah, where they show up at the airport and motherfucker got nunchucks, yeah, and motherfuckers throwing like ninja stars yeah. and smoke bombs. I was, I was picturing a whole operation. I it, guess it didn't happen. No, nah, like it that. wasn't. It wasn't that, you know, uh, crazy. But it, it, it could have got crazier. And uh, and then we found out that the dude was like in the government and yeah i probably would have been in big big you know so they came I got they came up. to protect <laughs> him not yeah not help you guys but yeah they no they were security guys that worked for him you know okay whatever they, this, oh and this guy oh. was he was like a higher up type dude just drunk at the airport and so he yeah but he probably gets drunk he's probably so powerful he goes to the airport just looking for bitches to steal probably he's like you come with me. You yeah. go to. I'm going to do things to your face. Yeah. Who knows what you know? I mean, the dude was a creep. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. You know. But thank God, you know, his security came and got him out of there because you know shit was about to pop off. And and I'm glad it didn't because you know I probably would still be in jail right now in Russia yeah. or something. You know. So. So the new the last uh, Cavalera record, Psychosis. I fucking love. I was jamming that shit when you rolled up. Like that one track's like. Damn, 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 like I was playing for my girl, and I was just, I was bobbing my head. I fucking love that record. Um, is uh, is Cavalera? Did you guys already tour for that, or, is it, or you have tours coming up? Uh, we're gonna be touring for that, I think, later this year. I, I hope. Right. Yeah, that's the plan. I need to, I need to see that shit live. It's sick. Yeah, it's a sick record, man. Um, and you just finished the new Soulfly today. Yep. Yeah, today was our last day in the studio. I'm really, really excited about that record too, man. It's, it's so gonna be great. Actually, here's what I wanted to ask you. Because Soulfly, you know, over the years seemingly got more thrashy and more mm-hmm. kind of the old school sound, is there really, like, is there a difference of, like, the approach, like, oh, this is a Soulfly riff, this is a Cavalera riff? Yeah. Or is it now kind of all blend together? Um, we're, we're, we're definitely trying to uh, keep the two separate, I think, you know. I, I know definitely even for me, I'm trying to be like, all right, I'm leaving this idea for Cavalera Conspiracy and this idea for Soulfly. I, th- I think basically Cavalera Conspiracy is probably more thrashy, you know, and, and more in tune with old Sepultura. Um, so I try to keep it along those lines. Um, and then the more experimental stuff, for me, I like to try to keep more with with uh, with, with Soulfly. Yeah. You know? So. Right on, man. Yeah. 
more whammy pedal stuff, more acoustic guitar. I kind of keep that more with Soulfly, I think. Okay. Yeah. And, and you you think this next one's going to be the one? The platinum records? I think it's going to be the one and my new instrumental record. My new solo Ooh. record's coming out on uh, Dave Ellison's new label. Oh, EMP. EMP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the Combat Records uh, is affiliated. Oh, yeah, because they, they like bought, it, yeah. bought the imprint. Yep. Yeah. So they're putting out my new record called Rotation, and uh, that's coming out March 30th. What's that like? Um, it's just, it's like my instrumental stuff, but it's it's definitely heavier, more groove oriented. You know, after touring with my, my instrumental project and doing those gigs, like like you were talking about. So these, are these the iPod gigs or the, uh, or the full it's, band? It's the iPod gigs, but I'm going to bring the full band back. You know, I was doing the iPod thing for a while just because, you know, I'm a shyster sometimes. Well, the way I look at it, if you're going to do the iPod, you've got to bring the backpack. Yeah. Like, I want I was both. thinking about I, that. I, I, yeah. want, I want both. Yeah. You know. I was thinking about that. You know, I, gotta, I gotta have something to look at. You <laughs> well, you know? got something to put the iPod in. Yeah. Then you take it out the backpack. That's a good idea. Plug yeah. it in. Yeah. Keep the backpack on. Yeah. No, I, I, it's funny. I do. You know, I've watched a couple of my shows on YouTube. I'm like, man, you know, I just look like I just look your, tip, your typical douchebag from New Jersey playing to an iPod. Man, it's just not see, special. See, see I, have some, I, have, I have some ideas for that though. All right. Yeah. The real low budget one is you just go. Over to one of those like uh, those novelty stores in the mall and get some cardboard cutouts. You know, get you like George, du- you know W. Bush. Yeah. Get you, you know, The Rock. Mm-hmm. You know, Iron Man. Yep. And just that'll be and just it's like put yeah. you know some other like yeah. those like rubber guitars on them yep. or something. Yeah. And then I'll, and then just you get a couple lights flashing on yeah. them and I, maybe it's like home. You ever see Home Alone? Yeah. Where he yeah, like yeah, did yeah, the thing yeah. in the house so it yeah. looked like <laughs> there were people in his house. Exactly. Yeah, you yeah. just you just silhouette the stage I, out. I definitely got to do something and decorate. I do. You know. I do see that. You know. But actually, those iPod tours, I've done like two of them now, and I've done a lot of shows up and down the East Coast where I just go out and I play to my back and track on an iPod at like a small little bar club. And, and I'll tell you, man, those are some of my favorite gigs and my favorite tours I've ever done where I just like rent a small little car. I bring a guitar tech with me and we just go out and just conquer, man. You yeah. know, and, and it's cool because like I don't I don't have to worry about a bus call. I don't have to worry about getting to the next city on time because it's like I'm basically just doing what I want to do. And I do all the driving. The basically. People come out. You get, yeah, you get some I've, nice had, crowds. I've had some shows that were packed where, you know, I'm just playing to an iPod and, you, and kids are moshing and having fun. Do you, you have markers on merch? Yep. T-shirts. I feel, you know, a little weird selling them. But yeah, I got Why? my own. You don't say get paid, baby. Yeah. Well, they do pretty good. You know, I, I can make a little bit of money when I do my my, my well, shirts. Well, here's the thing. I want, like I said, as me being the booster. Yeah. All right. And I want you on a cover of Guitar World, Young Guitar in Japan. Guitar one, guitar player. Are there any other guitar magazines you want to be on the cover of? Acoustic guitar. Acoustic guitar. That'd be cool. You haven't been on the cover of acoustic? No. no. All right. Who who do I need to fuck up? Please man? help me. Help me. I need help. I'm I need saying. support. You know. Well, first you need to pop that shirt off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then you know. <laughs> we need to get we need to get this man on some HGH. And then we gotta. No, you, <laughs> listen. I don't. I don't know if I. You know, I'm. I'm a pretty. Um, you know, Spartan kind of guy. I'm pretty mm-hmm. simple. I don't have no uh, flair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. You need like, like full sleep. You have tattoos? No, nah, no tats. All right, uh, see, that's, see, I that. got a problem with commitment. I just, you know, I can't commit. You know, I can, I can, I can, I can see that. I can see it. He's like, he's like the uh, the iPod is my wife. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right on, man. Well, yo, I'm I'm definitely excited for uh, everything you have coming out because, like I said, man, you you never stop. That's why we barely see each other because you you're just always away. And then pretty yeah. soon I'm going to be always away, and yeah. then we'll just have to like run each other on festivals yeah. and, and do some shows that's together. What, that's so. what we usually do, right? Yeah. All right, man. It's great to see cool. you. Thank you, Doc. Of course. Awesome. Thank you. 
Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now.
So that was a Mark Rizzo solo track I actually found on a Shrapnel Records uh, thing called Shrapnel Super Shredders, Neoclassical Shred. And it's the most recent thing I could find from his solo uh, band, which I apparently he has a new record coming out on Combat in 2018, unless Wikipedia is lying to me. But I just wanted to, you know, if you weren't aware, you just heard him in Soulfly and stuff, and you haven't heard how that dude can play, there, there, there you have it, all right? This dude is no joke. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. And as you probably could tell, I had made a mistake and left some of my gear at home, so we, I had to just use my little uh, Zoom recorder. A shout-out to Zoom, who actually hooked me up with that. Um, I, so that is definitely a great fail-safe. And it sounds fine, like you can hear it, it's clear, but... Doc Coyle likes the high production value if I can if I can get it, which is why I, I don't do as many Skype calls and stuff. But uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Also, you know, I was talking to him. They were just finishing up the Soulfly record, so he has a new Soulfly record coming out. And that guy just never stops working. He's always touring. He's always doing something. So shout out to him for coming on the show and making that happen. Thank you to you guys for spreading the show around. Like I said, I see the numbers. I know the show is, is growing. Uh, you guys always reach out, you send uh, well wishes and tell me you're listening and you're getting a lot out of it. And that, that means a lot to me because I just go with my gut here. I'm doing what feels right. Getting the, I want to, it's the people I want to talk to and the people I want to have conversations with and stuff that hopefully is enlightening to a certain degree and give you a viewpoint into my world and, and this kind of whole world that we're in, but it's a lot of fun and I get a lot out of it. So please go on iTunes, rate and review the show. Uh, if you want to send me a message, you know, give me, tell me who you want on the show. If you want to yell at me, tell me I suck. Um, go do that too on social media. You can also write me an email at the X-Man podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, I love you guys. And, uh, Mamba is motherfucking out. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.